Hi, I'm Laura. Hey, I'm Stefan, and you're listening to Attributed, a podcast library by Dream Data. The purpose of it is to store and share all the knowledge that we have gathered across Dream Data employees through our LinkedIn Lives, podcasts, and webinars. The typical topics you'll find here can be stuff like marketing, sales, B2B ads, operations, social selling, maybe. Hello, good afternoon and good morning, everybody joining this LinkedIn Live together with us another week, another LinkedIn Live. Today, I'm really, really excited to reintroduce Miles to our LinkedIn Live again for a new topic. Hello, Miles. So nice to meet you again. Hey, great to see you. I love the intro, the Dream Data LinkedIn Live intro. That was really cool. A little ah, upgrade. It's an upgrade from the last time we did when you have to check if everything is working and sound is going through and so on. We've got amazing designers and amazing videographers to help us out with that stuff. Thank you for That's that. Awesome. Miles, today we're going to have a chat about the marketing mix at Observe or maybe even your own thoughts about the marketing mix at B2B companies. But before we go, could you give us a quick re-intro to yourself? Yeah, I'm Miles Madden. I'm a senior manager of demand generation at Observe AI. Observe AI is a conversation intelligence platform for contact centers. I won't bore you guys with that today, but I've been working there now for a year. Um, have a really talented demand gen and product marketing team, which I'm really lucky to be a part of. And we're growing fast, which is great learning opportunity and, and really exciting journey. So exciting. And I've heard that some of the marketing mix tactics are working really well for you. That's why you have been invited to the show to have a chat about the ones that work, maybe the ones that don't really work and could have a redo or people should focus their time differently. Miles, so let's define real quick what a marketing mix is and how do you think about it while working at Observe or any other B2B company as well? Yeah, so a marketing mix is, is a foundational principle to the business rather than just marketing. I mean, it's centered around product, price, place, and promotion. Um, in terms of the posts that I wrote, uh, this was about two or three weeks ago, that was more centered around promotion. So if you go to my LinkedIn profile, you'll see it's a relatively recent post and, and it shows our mix in terms of promotion, what channels we use to promote and kind of dissects between owned and earned and shared. But yeah, that's what a marketing mix is. And, and just to give a little context to the post that you guys sourced from. Perfect. Thank you so much. And then for at Observe AI, when you joined them, where did you go from and where are you now? Give us a little bit of a story of the marketing mix that uh, you kicked off working with. Yeah, yeah. So it was a, a really interesting story. So Brindy Sanders, our VP of Demand Gen, she started probably a year and a half ago now. And when she and, and Hila Siegel, our VP of product marketing, they joined roughly around the same time, like I said, a year and a half ago. Before that, there was a different marketing team. And then essentially what happened is that marketing team kind of left and then Hila and Brandy built out this new marketing team. Um, so a majority of our team, are new members have only been around uh, for about a year, year and a half, such as myself. Um, so we have a team around 12 of us kind of split in the middle, product marketing and, and demand gen. So as you could imagine, a year and a half ago, when Brandy joined and when Hila joined and then and then following I joined, um, we, had, we inherited what the previous team did with very minimal learnings. So essentially we had to analyze the data, see what was working, focus on optimizing that while also establishing what were we going to do based on our methodology, based on our beliefs and move forward. It wasn't entirely a blank slate. 
because we had some historic data to work off of, but it almost was, which allowed us to create this marketing mix as kind of a, a end state or where or uh, what we wanted our marketing mix to look like and, and build towards that. So let's dig in. How does it look like the marketing mix at Observe AI? Yeah, so we really have four buckets. Um, so there's earned, there's shared, there's owned, and there's paid. So paid, you think of Google ads, LinkedIn ads, Facebook ads, Twitter ads, all those paid channels that all of us know about. From owned, we have our social media channel, or excuse me, we have our website, we have SEO, we have our content, we have our emails, we have our webinars, ebooks, guides, all these things. Shared, that's when we get into our social media accounts, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. And then earned, we have our public relations, our relations with analysts when we ever release a press release. And then there's some overlap between those circles. And so that's where we get into review sites and that's where we get into our influencer marketing play. And so it's a pretty in-depth and comprehensive promotion mix. So I really encourage people to go see that. And if you do want me to share that image, I've had a lot of marketing leaders ask for the image of our, our promotion mix to share with them for them to craft their marketing strategy. Do you have it in front of you if you're open to sharing it? Yeah, I can pull it up here. That could be cool. Let's do it. I've never shared on LinkedIn Live, so let's see what happens here. It's just, I think it acts exactly the same as it does in Google Meet. Oh, beautiful. Can you see my screen? Yeah. Oh. And maybe if you could zoom in a little bit more so it gets like all over your screen is just the picture. Yeah, perfect. Oh, cool. So this is what I was referencing. You can see paid on the left side here, the channels that I discussed, owned. You can see our content customer stories, website, SEO, shared, organic so, uh, social channels, um, and then earned our public relations, so investor in re relations, media coverage, press releases. And this is the overlap that I was referencing. So you can see here between earned and shared, we have our influencers and our influencer marketing strategy. Between paid and owned, we have our events and partnerships. We do go to trade shows. We do have a partner marketing leg. And then between earned and paid, we have our receipt review sites, Part, uh, particular or specific to our industry. So G2 Crowd, Captera. And then you'll see there's this circle in the middle. And our belief is that all these things together reaches as much of our target market as possible. Of course, we, we focus on channels that are contributing most to pipeline. But at the end of the day, this results in very positive brand authority. The market views us as a leader. They views us as a, as a thought leader and someone that they can do, go to that steers the market. And that manifests itself in, in awards and speaking opportunities. Our CEO, Swapnil, is constantly talking at conferences and, and leading the market to where it's going, um, industry reports, shared content. Um, so this is how we see the world in terms of promotion. Obviously, we can get into measurement and how we prioritize these because there is a lot going on here with yeah. not the smallest team, but it's not a massive marketing team either. How big is your marketing team? We have four product marketers, one event marketer, three demand gen marketers, and then a content leader and a brand leader. Yeah, it's not a huge team for a huge strategy like that. So how do you prioritize which ones to focus on? Yeah, it's a good question. And I'll stop sharing here. Like I said, yeah. everyone can, uh, they can reach out if, if they're interested. Um, one thing that I want to add before we got into that is as we were joining this call, you asked if I was comfortable presenting this marketing mix. 
It was really interesting that you asked that because what I found is that a lot of, uh, not a lot, but there are marketing teams that are very protective over mm -hmm. what they do. Like it's a secret. And in my opinion, the secret is not what you're doing, it's who's doing it. So our team is the best. And when I, when I talk about that in context of the market, the context in our tech landscape, we have the best talent. And so all of our competitors could be running the same promotion mix, but we will win every time because we execute flawlessly and understand the customer at a deep level. So just wanted to add that in there because I think it's really important. It comes down to the people running these programs and, and the talent behind it. I think it's a huge thing also to do that acknowledgement that it is the people and then there goes the brand and how you execute everything for in order to to win in the market and i've heard that you've got some really cool results out of that totally and in terms of uh, your next question on prioritization so the first thing how we how we prioritize is we need to understand what's working we also need to talk to our customer and see where they live and so one of the first things that we've done um, and that we continue to do is we go to events and we conduct primary market research. Um, and hopefully soon we'll be talking to our customers or sending surveys to collect data as well. But we ask them, where do you go to learn about the contact center and what's, what's going on or what's the latest information? Now, asking that to people at trade shows is a little biased because nearly every time we get them, one of the responses is a trade show. So there is a little bias in, in the environment that we ask that question, but we get uh, varied responses and that helps us, number one, prioritize where we should market because it's our market telling us where they hang out. So we do get LinkedIn for our particular industry. Uh, people still really love eBooks, which is really interesting. I come from a school of thought where I thought that was outdated, but in this industry, uh, they really enjoy eBooks, which is interesting, eBooks and webinars. A lot said Google, uh, which is interesting. I, I just think that means there's channels open. Yeah, we got trade shows and, and like I said, webinars. So we use that to set the foundation. And then we we use what we called hybrid attribution, which was uh, created by Refine Lab. So we use software-based attribution, um, which hopefully we have dream data soon so we can get a more granular look at what campaigns uh, and what channels you guys are saying is working best. But then we also have an open field required text. How did you hear about us uh, response on our uh, high intent forms so our demo request forms. Um, and that's the hybrid part. So we're seeing what software is saying. We're seeing what the customer is saying when they come inbound. Um, and we look at all the metrics for both those for the channels that come from that data. So we look at what contributes most to pipeline at the most efficient cost. What are the conversion rates between stages? So obviously we wanna deliver the highest quality leads that move through the funnel quickest and at the best efficiency. So our sales team is, is performing better and that's how we prioritize it. So for us, our top four channels are Google, word of mouth is number two, LinkedIn, mm -hmm. and then trade shows. So interesting. Yeah, and it's an interesting world where you would like to attribute things to like directly to the pipeline, but at the same time to figure out like, what are they actually talking about your customers? Where are they finding you and learning about you? I think it's a very interesting mix. We've got a couple of questions before we move on, if that's okay with you. One of them you almost covered, but I'll take the last one first. <laughs> so Morton is asking, what is the reason for the open field? How have you heard about this from compared to a must answer question on a forum? Yeah, it's a great question. We did it just to understand if there were things that we were missing out on that maybe sometimes software-based attribution may have missed a little bit. 
um, more specifically the word of mouth component. So we will get a few less demo requests. Um, let's say that I typically see like 10 demo requests a month come in that either say word of mouth, friend, or a specific company or person. And we have seen some of our customers' actual names come into the how did you hear about us response. And now we can work with our customer success team to maybe create some referral program with that customer um, because they're they're clearly already some sort of evangelist for us. Um, so we use it uh, to just better educate ourselves on what really is working. Um, I think a lot of times people either over-index each way, over-index on the how did you hear about us or the over-index on uh, software-based attribution. We truly believe we need both to have a wide view of what's working and what's not working and to understand the customer journey. Thank you. Next question is about your tech stack, but I guess when we move into conversation of how do you measure things, then let's walk through like, what are the actual pieces of tech stack that you're using for one or the other things as well? So going forward from how do you prioritize, then we go into execution, I would guess, mm -hmm. and further going into measurement of it. Can you walk us through the process, how it works at Observe? Yeah, for sure. So like I said, we take our attribution data and we identify what channels are contributing the most pipeline at the best cost. And those are the channels, it's usually three to four channels that we focus on uh, deep experimentation and innovation. Well, there's one thing I want to add, you guys can see on our promotion mix that we are still on multiple channels. And that's because we do get small signals from these other channels, which tell us that they're still part of the customer journey. So for example, this last month, we had three responses that said G2. We're not focusing on really optimizing that channel, but we're still going to update it and be active because that's a signal to us that at least it's some part of the customer journey. Now going back, we prioritize our three to four channels. What we do every quarter, we have a document with two tabs. We call it our experiment planning and, and execution document. We have a brainstorming tab, and then we have a tab that documents the experiments. So at the start of the quarter, we say, what are all the experiments per these top channels that we wanna run? Some of them are innovative, some are just very regular experiments that we want to see if it applies to our industry. And then we will filter those by which has the highest impact and lowest resources, prioritize those first. And then we will create the uh, experiment details, have a start date, have a launch date, have benchmark data, and then also follow it through and make sure there's next steps after the completion of the experiment. And we do that every quarter. So we align on our experiments, run the experiments, and then reflect on the experiments. At Is the that the whole marketing team or some specific groups of the team that does that? That is primarily the demand gen team with content and creative, but we share the findings with the product marketing team and they usually give us feedback to fuel the uh, experiment ideation phase at the beginning of the quarter. Interesting. All right. Yeah. So let's go further. Experimentation and let's move on further into kind of how does it move into further measurements? Awesome. Yeah. And the uh, the experimentation phase, I think the biggest thing that helps us is we we ask ourselves ourselves questions first. I think a lot of teams, what they do is they say we're running experiments and basically they launch some things and collect a bunch of data. And now they get stuck in analysis paralysis. And so what we say is per each channel, here's the five to 10 experiments that we're going to run. And here's the specific question that we want to answer. 
said another way, this is exactly what we want to understand by the end of the quarter. And so that's that's what we do. We, we uh, understand the questions we're asking ourselves. We create the experiment plan. We launch it, we end it. We compare the results to our benchmark data, and then we decide how we're going to apply those learnings. And so um, let's say it's, it's for uh, LinkedIn to use a, a great example. Let's say we want to experiment with how weekly LinkedIn lives do compared to monthly LinkedIn lives, just to talk, talk to the audience. It's obviously on LinkedIn live. Um, obviously there will be some sort of benchmark data. Let's say it's the amount of demand that comes from uh, self-reports LinkedIn live, or maybe it's building our audience. Um, and we will launch that experiment for the quarter. And then there will be some result. Maybe it worked better at growing our LinkedIn live following. And let's say that's our objective. Then next quarter, we would continue with the weekly. Let's yeah. say our follower growth was stagnant or decreased when we shifted to, to weekly and we didn't get any positive qualitative signals. Then we would say, hey, this clearly did not work. Let's move back to monthly. So that's how we approach the experiments. How do you decide the time of the experiments themselves? Now you're saying a quarter, given that the customer journey might be more than a year. Yeah, we, that's a great question. We, we tend to split these out between macro and micro experiments. So um, if you think about Facebook ads, like there are very small experiments that we're constantly running. This headline versus this headline. That's a micro experiment, and that's going to be highly dependent on the budget we put behind it. Um, so that we usually cap at like 2,500 impressions. And so we'll run headline A versus headline B, 25 impressions both and compare. Let's say you you have five grand for Facebook ads, that's going to take you a week. Um, so those micro experiments are typically much shorter in time. The macro experiments are bigger strategic changes or maybe net new programs or reviving old programs. So for example, LinkedIn Live, we would consider that a macro experiment because of the resources it takes to launch is much higher. And because of the higher uh, allocation of resources, it's going to take longer to um, collect that data. Very interesting. You can start scrappy and then grow from there. That's how we started. But that's that's also you mentioned the part of like how many resources will you need and versus how much of an impact you could expect from that one. And then besides the experiments, if we move over to the measurement part, so experiments are kind of limited. You figure out this is working. You must be going further with the ones that are working. But how about the rest? Because the whole mix is huge and some of them may require really huge investments. Yeah, totally. So so what we do, obviously, there's those micro experiments that I talked about. Those are typically in-platform metrics that we're measuring. We have our micro experiments. Um, obviously, it's based on the objective of the experiment. But what we'll also do at the end of the quarter is we'll evaluate how our experiments measured compared to the benchmark. And then we'll also look at, which understands kind of the execution, what's working from an execution standpoint, we'll also look at the quarter as a whole. Mm -hmm. And so did we hit our revenue target? Did we hit our pipeline coverage target? Did we do it at an efficient cost? And that's where we, that's kind of the top line measurement that we evaluate because we could crush all these micro experiments or micro macro experiments as well. But if we're not hitting our revenue and pipeline coverage targets, and pipeline targets, then yeah. none of it matters. So that's, uh, we, we look at a very, probably a bad way to put it, but like full funnel 
measurement model all the way from the in-depth nitty-gritty and, and try and roll it up into revenue. Mm -hmm. And Morton has another question about the budget, because that's important too. So how do you determine the budget for your experiments? Is it the percentage of revenue or closer to PPC for impressions? Yeah, it's a great question. This is this is primarily a question that I'd imagine from like a paid media perspective. But it, so it's it's determining when am I going to decide that the data here is significant enough to conclude an experiment. So for us, we're not data scientists, so this could be wrong, but um, we believe that you know testing two headlines to reach 2,500 impressions is enough data for us to confidently determine which one is better. And so that that completely depends on the budget. Completely depends on the platform you're running because the costs are different, and the audiences you're marketing to are different. So the costs can be different. If you're marketing to a CEO versus a marketing manager, you're going to be paying $150 CPM for the CEO versus $50 for the marketing manager. So in short, we uh, it really depends on the channel. It really depends on the cost of the audience that you're determining. But we have benchmarks in our for our team on, on what we deem is a good point of decision. So whatever that costs you is, is how it's determined. If we turn this question around, not to focus on any specific channel, then if you, Miles, were told to cut one-fourth of the budget or the whole team had to, how would your logic go around within the whole marketing mix? What are we dropping? Yeah. So we would we would probably, well, we would cut the programs that we may be allocating some budget to that we see not contributing a lot of pipeline. So for example, we purchased G2s, one of G2's annual packages, and that one only contributes two or three high quality leads a month, which is definitely on the lower end for us. And sorry, G2, if, if anybody's hearing this, but that is one that we would cut because it's just not contributing. Um, so we would reevaluate the programs and channels that are working, what's not working. And I know there's a super basic response, um, but then we focus on the ones that are working and more specifically the campaigns within those channels that are working. One more thing to add, usually when budgets are cut, many times it's, it's something to do with the economy or your messaging. And so sometimes bringing back a campaign that was previously performing isn't the best option. You may need to craft messaging or a value prop that is more attractive in the current macroeconomic environment that you're in or whatever the situation is. So our budget wasn't really cut. It was just more rather stayed the same this past year, um, which thankfully we're given a decent budget. But so we just had to be hyper-focused on where we wanted to allocate it because although our budget stayed relatively the same, our goals definitely increased. So although it wasn't cut, still kind of similar scenario. Very interesting. And in terms of the whole marketing mix, then we went shortly through at the beginning of your earned, shared, owned and paid media. So if you were to reflect on like where in the pipeline stages, what works best, how would you define that if you could? Do you mind rewording that? I don't think I like that. you've got your pipeline, a lot of things. It, it is a mix for the whole pipeline. But but if you're thinking about like if I'm starting from scratch to build my marketing mix and I am about to present it to the management to build it out, how do I build it out so it makes sense for the leadership of how does that mix build up the pipeline for us? Yeah, that is a great question. So so personally, what we do um, when we're 
presenting this to our CEO or the ELT team, we keep it very simple. And so um, let's say it's it's a quarter, uh, we'll do monthly checkups with our CEO within the quarter. Um, and our first slide will be, what percentage to goal attainment are we at? So that's the first slide. It's very, are we pacing? Are we underpacing? Are we overpacing? Which is best case scenario. And then the next slides will go into what is working and what is not working. And that's where we will show the different conversion points that are contributing to revenue. So for us, typically it's a demo request that has the highest contribution to pipeline and revenue and the best efficiency rates. And then we'll show the just pipeline contribution of the different channels and soon hopefully the campaigns. And that makes it very clear. Here's the pipeline com contribution of Google and LinkedIn. This is what's working and this is uh, what we're continuing to experiment and innovate on. Um, and this is what's not working and, and the data is right here. It's not contributing yeah. this much pipeline. So we're not gonna focus our resources and budget on that. Um, this, that's what the CEO likes to hear. You're focusing on the thing that's making me money. Great. Mm -hmm. um, then we'll touch on what's not working, which is kind of the inverse of, of what we just talked on. I would like to still pick up on the question of your tech stack. That was one of those as well. So can you talk a little bit about your tech stack? Uh, yeah, we're, we have a pretty lean tech stack. And I think it's just because of the, we want to do really good marketing before we build out a very significant tech stack. I see the value in a really solid marketing tech stack. But as I said earlier, our full team has only been around for a year. And so mm -hmm. we've had implement processes and all this stuff that I'm telling you guys right now. And it was interesting where you said, you made the comment of you have to start from somewhere to get here. like. We basically started from nothing and we're here in only a year. That's the power yeah. of a great team. Um, so now we're, we're evaluating our tech stack now that we have really solid processes in place, not that we're, we're surpassing 100% goal attainment. Um, so with all that being said, right now it's simple, but I think it's going to evolve over the next two years. But right now we use Marketo. We have Salesforce for our, for our CRM and, and our reporting is pretty lean. Websites built on Webflow. And we use Hootsuite for some social media stuff, which we probably don't need in, all, in full transparency. It does automate it, which is kind of nice, but that's really it. Other than just like the free stuff from Google, Google Analytics, Google Tag Manager, it's it's pretty pretty lean. We'll use Confluence for our uh, for internal marketing, so that's that's really important. Obviously, we're talking on, on marketing to the public, to the market, but internal marketing is really important. Mm -hmm. um, so that's pretty much everything you can think of right now. Yeah. And Morton has taken us back with a question about optimization of your experiments. So how long do you, for how long do you try to optimize a channel or campaign before you decide it doesn't work? It's a great question. We segment these out between capture demand channels and create demand channels. So a capture demand channel is typically where someone goes when they're in market to purchase a solution. Think Google ads or internet search think uh, review sites, people are clearly in market looking for a solution. Um, so for those, when someone is in market to find a solution, the time to try and optimize that channel or understand if it's working is shorter than create demand uh, channels, which I'll get that I'll get to that in a second. Logically, it just makes sense, right? People are in market, they're motivated to convert, they're much closer to entering that sales process. Um, so things like that will typically run for a quarter to understand 90 days is enough time for us based on our budget. Now, if you have like five grand for Google ads and the cost per click is very high, 
you may have to run longer. Or if you don't have a lot of money for Google ads and you need to focus on SEO, SEO is going to take a little longer. In terms of create demand channels, which are channels where people do not go to convert, but they go to educate themselves and get better, think LinkedIn, um, email is a great example. Those we will give a longer period of time, usually six months. And the reason being is because a lot of teams pull out too early when they're experimenting and you write the channel off is not working when you just deeply didn't understand the channel yet. So in full transparency, we're seeing pretty significant growth from LinkedIn now. We experimented the channel for about seven months. Thankfully, we have really strong marketing leaders that are able to back us with those experiments, the ELT team. Um, I do understand that the reality is a lot of marketing teams aren't given that runway. Yeah. Um, but based on our situation, that's that's what we do. Thank you. And before we wrap up the conversation, is there anything that we missed out on discussing in terms of your marketing mix that you feel? Man, I, I think the, I'm going to hit this nail on the head again. I really think it's it comes down to you can have the most beautiful marketing promotion mix out there. You can take a screenshot of this picture and, and you can go sh show it to your CEO and show how smart you are. But it really comes down to solid experimentation and more importantly, innovation and creativity and the people behind it that make that happen, um, which is why we're not fearful sharing this data it's really important that you grow and learn and try and be the best so you can execute this marketing mix and actually see results come from it. If it was that easy where I just said, here's a picture and you just kind of turn things on and we would all be billionaires. Exactly. Go do. That's a very nice approach at looking at both the teamwork and the hard work that it gets into build a perfect marketing mix and grow as you do as well. Miles, thank you so much for today's conversation. I really enjoyed that. And I'm sure it's not the last time as well. Absolutely. If anyone has any other questions or wants to connect, I'm on LinkedIn all the time. So feel free to message me. Or follow Miles at any cost anyway, because he's sharing a lot of golden nuggets. Every time he posts, I read the full post. Thank you everybody for listening. See you another time. We hope you like listening to us. Subscribe to our podcast and the ones that we have been guests on. And if you have any feedback for us, uh, just do let us know. And should there be a guest that you think we should be talking to, then like pitch us. We're looking forward to seeing you.